Once again, it's time for that program that has no music, no jingles, no commercials, uh, no themes, obviously no talent, and certainly no agenda. Coming to you from an overcast United Kingdom in the Curry Manor. I'm Adam Curry. And I'm John C. Dvorak in sunny Northern California. You've been having a great week. Hasn't it been like in the mid-70s uh, all week so far? <coughs> it's, uh, it's hit 74 a couple of days. Oh, beautiful, man. No, it's been uh, it's been dreary here. It really has. No good. Well, if it makes you feel any better, it's supposed to rain this weekend. <laughs> Love. It. Oh, what? And I'm not even coming to the city? I mean, that's when it's supposed to rain, when I come out. Yeah, I know. I they decided that maybe you are coming. You don't know it yet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What the hell do I know? Well, I guess not. Um Dude, what happened to Ziff Davis? What happened? They filed for Chapter 11. Well, that's, you know, something that's been, uh, you know, they've been on and off to do that for the last five years. What was interesting to me is we had, we, uh, they caught, at least with me, they, they caught up with all our payments. <laughs> oh, I, I'm sure that was interesting to you. Hmm. It was kind of a surprise, so I figured something screwy was going on. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know the whole story yet. Oh, okay. Well, you know, but they're still in. They're still in business. It's just. It's you know. It's not like they're shutting down. Right. No. Because you know, uh, I can say that we've certainly, as Pod Show has been talking to them, we're trying to put a deal together, and I was just like, you know, it's kind of surprising. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, I presume I don't know much about Chapter Eleven, at least not the U.S. version. <laughs> I know about other versions. Um. Well, Chapter Eleven basically freezes the uh, uh, company's. Uh, it essentially puts the, the company into into a uh, kind uh, of an, an oversight group. Picks you know takes a look, and they don't have to pay their bills for a while. Right. So that's kind and of so my- they refinance essentially. Hopefully, I mean the airlines have done this numerous times, and they sometimes you know publishing companies. I don't know how many of them come out of it uh, well, but we'll see. So um, obviously, you know, Chapter Eleven is you know some kind of um, uh, you know to protect the assets, I guess. But that doesn't mean the company can't do business as regular, right? We can still do a deal with these guys because I think we actually would contribute and help them. Uh, yeah, no, I think actually you're in a better position now. Ah, uh, good. Okay, excellent. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Hey, you know, so you sent me something. Excuse me. Um, but I think what I should say, by the way, uh, today is Thursday, uh, March 6th, when we're recording this. And I actually thought for a few moments while I was making some teas, you know, maybe we should just wait until tomorrow to release it. But I'm thinking, you know, something could happen overnight. We should release it today. I, I'm sure you agree, John. Yeah, well, I know why you, it's just easier. <laughs> it's not about just being easier. No, 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 no. But so we have um, no, couple- just, you know, no talent, no work, no agenda, <laughs> no, uh, no hassle, you know, no hassle. <laughs> More money, less work. That's my motto for 2008. <laughs> uh, we got, uh, we got to, let's just do, just, just get into it. Let's you have something you want to talk about right off the bat. You want to just uh, hear one or two of these calls. Well, you know, I think we got a lot of feedback on our last show, and I, yeah. I think it seems to me mm-hmm. that people are really jacked up about, about us talking about tea. Oh, yes. Oh, dude. Oh, dude. I, I, I think I did get at least one consistent piece of feedback, which is about the milk. You want This is about 50 seconds, so let me just play this for you. It makes sense. Hi, Adam and John. This is uh, Ed calling from South London. I was- First of all, I like it. Guy from Britain. You know, you already feel kind of right, don't you? Yeah, I love it. 
Okay, here we go. Just interested in the conversation you had in the last No Agenda about um, putting the milk in the tea first. Uh, the way I hear it is that's traditionally an English thing, possibly European in some cases, but mainly English, um, due to the fact that back in the day, I guess 1700s, we were really <laughs> shitty at making porcelain. And so if you made tea without putting the milk in first, the cups would crack or break. And that's where the English tradition of putting the milk in the tea came from first. So you put it in the teapot and then I guess pour it in the cup, but with the milk in first. So that's the way I hear it, and it's, it's probably right. That seems to be the accepted wisdom over here. Um, and so John's comment about no one over 30 does it, it's probably maybe it's making a revival or something. Okay, guys, love the show, and um, I'll listen next week. Bye. There you go. I, I got a lot of those, so that seems. I, I got I, I got a couple of those myself, and, I, and it actually does make some sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, except for the fact that it makes less sense today, especially when people put the milk in and then they put a tea bag in it and then they pour the water into the. You know, they've you noticed. Know, yeah. I can see where you would put the milk in the thing and then brew it in a pot and then pour the brewed tea into the milk, but not to make the tea bag with the milk. No, no, which no, is what I I've been seeing. Yeah. So, so it's an abomination. <laughs> but boy, people are passionate about their tea, huh? <laughs> well, over there. It's un- unbelievable. No, I now, I also surprised. heard there's a, somebody complaining that, you know, that, that I, you know, when I'm in England, I very rarely see a tea bag with a, with a string and a label on it. And, and I think I, it'd be interesting to see if anybody knows the history of that particular phenomenon. I think it was Lipton. Who started with the, uh, the yeah with the the string and the holder? You mean? Yeah, the string and the little tag on the end. Yeah, it was probably made specifically for the U.S. market. You know, that seems like a typical. Maybe it's a U.S. invention. Who knows? I'm sure someone patented it. <coughs> yeah, it definitely looks patentable. Mm-hmm. Now that having said that, I remember some years ago I was in France, and they and I wish I could find this stuff again, just because it was so cool. They and uh, you've seen that you'll see this actually in France. The the tea they make, you know, they have tea in bags in France, and they do have the little string usually attached to it. Mm. But they uh, the tea is always really weak. They don't, you know, they're the French aren't real tea drinkers by any means. Even though they have a couple famous tea companies that you know sell their expensive teas in a canister. But anyway, I saw this. I was at some hotel and the, and the tea they came with a couple of tea bags, and the tea bags themselves were made of a fine silk. Oh yeah, no. Um, I've had I, I had those over here. There's a um, ah, I forget who makes it. There's a British brand that makes it with fine silk as well. That's uh, I've seen that around. So since then, I went to the uh, fancy food show in San Francisco a few times because we have a deli, and um, so I'm in. I'm there, and there and tea has become like a big deal uh, at the fancy food show. And there's all these companies that make per, these tea purveyors, you know. And it's again, it's not as good as PG Tips half of this stuff, but <laughs> it, you know they sell like individual little boxes with a tea bag in a box, and it's unbelievable. I mean, anything to you know to screw the public, and. Um, there's a bunch of tea companies, these high-end, you know, uh, hoity-toity tea companies, and they've got the tea that's in not silk, but some sort of a weird mesh plastic of some sort. That's the new high-tech tea bag. Yeah, I've seen that too. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's like a pyramid tea bag. Only it's uh, some of them. Yeah. Some of them aren't. You know, there's a variety of of, of designs. There's a square one. You know, I um, this morning I went to. Um, it's called the the job center. <laughs> I had to get the my national insurance number 
which is equivalent to a social security number because now I'm working uh, at least partially um, uh, on a, on the UK payroll. So as to be fair, you know, so as not to right. get in trouble with the tax man, etc. Her Majesty's uh, Customs and Revenue Service. And so, you know, you have to be interviewed, you know, because they're going to see if, if they really think I'm the real deal, right? So this probably isn't intended specifically for um, for me. <laughs> you know, if, if you just look around the room, it's like, okay, this is for immigrants who do not speak the language. Um, but, you know, uh, you have to prove that you actually live at that address. And so, it's, and I got, you know, what are the chances I got a, re, a young, um, not very good looking uh, woman who had to do my interview. So, you know, like three, she didn't even look at my documentation. She was already stamping stuff. But I'm talking to her. And pretty soon, the you know, she, the conversation turns to, well, you know, I'm actually leaving. I bought a house in Spain. I'm like, well, that's interesting. I, you know, here you are interviewing me to come in and you're leaving. And uh, and all of her own accord, she brought up something that we've talked about a couple times on this show uh, that is now really focus of the mainstream media here in the UK is the binge drinking. And yeah, uh, and right, interesting. right now what, uh, so the government's response to this, I just wanted to revisit it because I know we have a lot of uh, European and UK listeners. The government's response is to raise taxes on alcohol. And I'm like, I mean, don't they understand that there's got to be a root cause? And even this girl was saying, you know, ah, in Spain, it's like, you know, people drink, but it's, you know, not off your face. And uh, in America, she says you have to be 21 and, you know, and people don't mess around with that. And you don't see people, well, maybe at frat parties in college here, but that's kind of what you're supposed to do there. Um, but, you know, other countries around the world, just, it, it just doesn't happen. It's it's something really British. And, and she came right out. She said, you know, there's something much different going wrong here that has nothing to do with the cost or availability of alcohol and uh, i don't hear anyone uh standing up and saying that's horse crap you mean this is saying what's horse crap the fact that the uh, just going to tax it yeah just just you know it's a higher tax in fact so <clears throat> they've done some statistics never since they opened uh, up the the pub hours to go past uh, 11 o'clock or whatever they used to close really early uh, now it's 24 hour a day license and you know so um alcohol related crime i believe has actually gone down i mean there's all kinds of statistics that show that that didn't really make any difference in the drinking behavior and a pattern but because it got spread out you know people didn't start to go steal and trash stuff at 11:30 you know when the pub was closed um but you know, i don't hear anyone contradicting this idea that you know that's the problem solver is taxes it's you know it's this country's <laughs> asleep over here john it's really surprising to me that this country of so-called stiff you know upper lip brits who uh, who i think really you know, like to live their own lives and live free you know they're suppressed man it's uh it's <laughs> well, amazing it brings up a couple of interesting points. First of all, back in the uh, in the day during you know, uh, the, let's the, say couple, the Blitz, couple, <laughs> the couple Blitz, of, John? No, couple, or say a couple hundred years ago. I mean, <laughs> the Brits were well known for uh, drinking too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, the 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 problem with gin is is even you know even crops up in history books when when it shouldn't. And if you look at old Hogarth. Uh, etchings uh he would ridicule the uh, english uh for its uh, uh kind of drunkenness 
So, I mean, I don't know if it, 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 there's something that goes back. I think maybe it's just, it's just returning. And the other thing is um, the image Americans have of the British is not quite the same as a lot of other people's uh, overall image. And, I, and what I wanted to cite, and I wish I, I have to see if I can find a copy of this clip that's um, on, it might be on YouTube or someplace, but we were watching, uh, when I'm in Washington, we watch Canadian television mostly because uh, it's just not because it's necessarily better overall but it's different and one of the my favorite shows is this hour has 22 minutes which is a comedy show that's been on the uh, cbc probably for decades mm-hmm. and uh, they they decided they they did a thing where they they're going to interview a couple of typical brits uh so they cut to the satellite to talk to these two people in their homes and it's like and they 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 portray them as a, a you know, a, a horrible fat woman with teeth going every which way and <laughs> blubbering about stuff and bashing her skinny, uh, perverted husband who's like hunched over. And it's just like you see, and it's the image. We're watching this. <clears throat> My wife says, Guy, this is sure not the image the Americans have of the British, but th- is this the way the Canadians see them? Uh, and, you know, so it's possible that we're all wrong. And, you know, maybe one of the Canadians <laughs> have got it right. That the Brits are just a mess. What's the, what's the video you, uh, you wanted to reference? Well, I'm saying, I'm wondering if, the, if this hour has 22 minutes is up on YouTube ever. Because the show itself is worth watching. And in this particular episode, it has these, these English... Of course you know, it these. does. Oh, yeah, of course it does. Of course it's on YouTube, dude. Are you kidding me? All the stolen shit so, is on YouTube. Hold on. So I have, to, I have to find this particular thing because it's a point of sociology that's quite interesting. And the, and the Canadians would have, you know, they have a longer association with the English. Oops. I'm sorry. A closer one than we do, for sure. I mean, we just, you know, rousted them in 1776. And, you know, never, and then now we, we, we have, the Americans typically have a... Um, nostalgic view of the british you know you you know they drink tea and the queen is kind of interesting and you know they have a royalty we don't we don't have it's it's peculiar in fact during the civil war or just before the civil war that many of the states in south south carolina in particular were actually thinking about you know splitting from the uh, and, and becoming a monarchy really they wanted a king yeah, South Carolina in particular. They still have that kind of attitude in that state. Yeah, they wanted a king and a queen. And the- <laughs> oh, incoming email. <laughs> uh, no, I do. I made a horrible mistake of actually going to that YouTube video. Uh, crunch the bandwidth. I'm telling you, man, these guys, like the bandwidth in, in the UK sucks. Well, sucks. Don't watch YouTube videos while on Skype. No, no, I, I understand that. But we had such a great connection. I thought maybe I'd just give it a shot. Yeah, no, you're right. It's the same with the with the Dutch. You know, the Dutch, the perception of the Dutch used to be windmills, wooden shoes, tulips, and then somewhere, I'd probably say in the '70s, towards the end of the '70s, certainly after uh, John and Yoko spent uh, a week in bed in the Amsterdam Hilton, um, it kind of became known for uh, hippie paradise. You remember the hippies sitting around Dam Square, uh, the right. Dam, the Dam Monument, right? Hookers and drugs, and now it's hookers and drugs. Absolutely, and you never hear anyone about wooden shoes anymore. If you, you know, if you ask a kid at school, you know, ask a fifth grader, you know, Holland hookers and drugs. You know, no more wooden shoes, and and they still use them. Actually, when I was in the last time I was in Amsterdam, one of the things I went to there's some long street I can't remember the name of it, but it's a huge shopping street. Kalverstraat, yeah, the Kalverstraat. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's huge. It, it's miles. It's the only other one in the world that I've been to that's as impressive in terms of its just length of one street uh, for shopping is in in uh, Beijing. There's a street that's it's probably even longer and it's wider. It's huge. It's this big giant Champs Elysees width place that goes on for forever. I never could get to the end of it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so I, I'm shopping in this the street. I'm going looking for some shoes, and so I found some. I uh, found you know there's some some shop I went into, and I there's a really cool looking pair of shoes, and I figured I'd buy. They didn't quite fit right, but the guy gave me a lecture. So well, you know, this is one of the last two shoe companies left in Holland that yeah. made these shoes. And he went on and on with a lament about how many shoe companies are used to be. And I guess this goes back to the wooden shoe days. Yep. He said that I guess there were hundreds at one point. Sure. And they've all consolidated down to like one or two and they're about to go broke. Well, and that's also part of a, a larger gripe in the Netherlands is that <clears throat> they, you know, they've been saying for maybe 15 or 20 years, you know, the government has basically put Holland into the, uh, um, uh, into the into the storefront window, everything has been sold. They don't make anything. You know, we were complaining about America. They don't make anything. There is nothing being produced in Holland anymore. Nothing, zero. You know, except uh, well, banking, and that just got sold. AB and Amro, um, you know, sold to uh, what was that? Uh, Barclays. I don't know. I didn't follow that. Yeah, you know. So that was the kind of like the last thing the Netherlands has, and you know, and there's just no more industry there. And uh, it used to be a very industrious trading-based nation. No longer. I don't know what to tell you. Nothing. So I don't, I don't really <laughs> it's care. It's kind of pathetic. I mean, I, I don't know why these countries believe. Uh, I guess, you know, they're all locked into this internationalism, globalism, and they, yeah, totally. I guess, believe that they can get all their... Uh, products elsewhere cheaper in such a way that they never have to worry about ever making them again but gee if some you know if a hitler cropped up in the you know in, the, in this day and age um it would be easy to all these countries would be a walkover they wouldn't have to have a blitzkrieg no oh no it would be well, it would be very easy the netherlands of course in the second world war capitulated within uh, like five days and they gave up their three rifles and two bicycles uh, well, the more than two bicycles, according to the Dutch, that's all they do is they still bitch about the fact that the bicycles are never returned. Yeah, they get. Oh God, that is a that is a joke we don't make anymore in Holland, uh, John. <laughs> that is uh, that is no longer valid culturally speaking, not politically correct. <coughs> Why? When did that change? Uh, well, as we all got got older, you know, I've dealt with lots of Germans my age, and you know, there's this is great. The new Germans, I'll just call them, you know, the generation that has now grown up that was, you know, that didn't grow, that grew up, grew up whose parents were born during the Second World War. Um, you know, they're very uh, reliable in general. I'd have to say in, in business dealings, um, they're pretty reliable. They're they're friendly. They're um, you know, they they do. I like doing business with them, and they and they culturally they're. Um, they're quite rich, you know. Um, so we just don't mess with them anymore because now they're just our good neighbors. And we, you know, and by the way, what an economy. You know, there's the Netherlands, when Germany sneezes, the Netherlands, uh, you know, catches the cold. So the bicycle issue is uh, is off the table. Yeah, we we do not. It, it, what? Uh, no, we do not say that anymore. No. No. Huh. No, not, not funny anymore. 
We, uh, <laughs> I, I don't. I never thought it was supposed to be funny. I thought it was a complete. It was a legitimate complaint. <laughs> I want my bicycle back. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a couple other things that happened. Uh, not just uh, stealing of bikes. Well, a couple of things went on there. <laughs> um. See, actually. So, yeah. did you get this? Since we're top, we we're on this topic. Did you get that song I, I emailed you? Yes, I did. Uh, you want to play it? Yeah, it's sure. interesting. Before you play it, I'm gonna. This I ran into this song. I was recording a. Uh, this is from a movie done in 1942, and a lot of people out there don't realize that. Uh, but if you don't realize that, both the U.S., England, and most of uh, the countries in World War II in 1942. A lot of historians will say that we actually technically have already lost the war. The war was over, and the Germans were going to win everything. Okay. And and uh, so, nineteen forty-two, there was a turnaround, mainly because of the productivity of the American uh, factories, uh, where we were cranking out. I mean, uh, William Manchester discusses this in in one of his books, and he has all the stats, which I should blog one of these days because they're actually quite phenomenal. Where they're like doing a ship a week kind of thing. Oh, and and like you know, seven hundred aircraft a month. I mean, it was really high turnover. Or more. Yeah. But anyway, there was a lot of, they were cranking out a lot of stuff, and then the war turned around, and uh, we ended up winning, but in 42, it wasn't clear that we were going to, and so then, so there was a, a bunch of interesting sociologies that took place during this period, and one of them that, that fascinated me was this song, which is in a movie, um, lowly, you know, one of these war movies called, and the movie was called Iceland. And uh, uh, I don't have the singer's name, but the, I think the band was Sammy Kay. And, uh, and I found it interesting because this song is essentially, if you read between the lines, kind of uh, making a... Uh, I don't even tell him. Don't even tell him. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll listen to it and then we'll discuss it. by the highest of authority fellows in the service simply can't be turned away you know that defense must get priority so if you're patriotically inclined heed the call to arms and keep this thought in mind you can't say no to a soldier a sailor or a sisterly way oh you can't say no no you gotta give in if you want him to win for you you can't say no to a soldier a sailor or a handsome marine no you can't say no if he wants to dance if he's gonna fight he's got a right to romance so get out your lipstick and powder be beautiful and dutiful too That's not what I mean. Oh, you can't say no. No, 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 no. Well, they're not fatal tin. So you better give in if you want him to win for you. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's basically saying, uh, do your local serviceman so he can win the war. Yeah, they're basically uh, saying that you know, let's be whoring out the country because if you don't get if you don't get you know because you if you don't get get keep these guys happy, you know, you're going to be stuck with uh, you know what you get in a war situation. Somebody else takes over. I re- Lots I re- of rape. I really liked it where it was uh, you know you can always kiss him in a sisterly way. I thought that was pretty funny. And yeah, and there's also there's a couple of twists in there. You know, be beautiful and dutiful. And <laughs> I got to try that my, tonight, honey. You've got to yeah. be beautiful and dutiful tonight. <laughs> and my <laughs> the, actually the my the, the real interesting uh, little twisted phrase in there was, you know, if he says it's cold in the submarine, you can knit him a sweater, but that's not what he means. <laughs> oh, I know, uh, I know, I know. And then you got um, was it Popeye or, or Brutus popping in there? Yeah, that guy. I can't remember his name. He's in a lot of movies from that era. Um, he uh, he's a kind of like an Ernest Borgnine type guy, but I, that's yeah, not he's, him. he's actually a, he was a character actor uh, showed up here and there in these in the B movies mainly. Yeah, you know, uh, so th- that must be so. That's part of a film you said. Yes, it's it's a it's a scene in the movie Iceland. Oh my gosh! And uh, they cut to this song, and uh, I just thought it was interesting because it matched the year, which is 1942, which is the year that you we're were losing. Born. The year you were born, of course. Yeah, no, and uh, I'm not that old. And uh, uh, it was the year we were losing. And it, I don't think that there actually weren't a lot of people born that year because most people were was fighting. That, was that before uh, Pearl Harbor or post? No, that's after Pearl Harbor. Right. Okay. So yeah, that was and, down, uh, downer mood for sure. And uh, and the Hitler was like you know beating everybody up, yeah. and. Um, so it was a bad time, and and I think a lot. But the interesting part of this song, which is like telling these women to get out, you know, to get to work, uh, having sex. I think it's <laughs> kind of lost on. Essentially, as it seems, I think this this that this whole era is is completely just completely lost to to anybody today's generations or the anybody. As a matter of fact, I think it's kind of uh, um, you mean the general the general vibe and how people felt and and what the what the well, nation was thinking. Well, you know, you wonder because we have like the, you know these war efforts that you know like the Vietnam War and all these insincere wars that we've been seemingly in, and you never had this kind of thing where this was this was actually a desperate situation where we. we people had to do things and i think the song reflects that in some way uh that uh i don't think we'll ever see anything like it again you know where i still see that on uh, gordon ramsay's kitchen nightmares <laughs> now i'm telling you they have there's two versions that air over here there's the i, I know you watch it john i'm sure you've seen the show mm, so absolutely yeah so whenever he does um it's so different when he does a, a, Fran, a French or a, or a British restaurant. And so for those of you who haven't seen the show, essentially Gordon Ramsay, I'm sure you know him, famous celebrity chef, says fuck a lot. Probably that's why I'm drawn to him. But he's a very powerful, intense guy. And he goes into these businesses and he tries to turn them around in, well, of course, it's really one hour of television, but uh, the idea is it's a couple days in real time. I have no idea how long it takes him to shoot it. And then he goes back and visits them a couple months later to see how they're doing. And these are all restaurants on the brink of failure. But once again, last night, they were doing an Irish pub in, I think it was Florida, you know, ex-cop took his pension, you know, family business, completely Yeah, it's always faltering. a sad story. It's, oh, it's, it, it, it's heart-wrenching, you know, it's just like ripping it right out, you know. But then when you get the Americans, when it, so when Gordon Ramsay lays into these restaurateurs, and as often the chef or the owner, it's usually the owner, 
um, you know, in the in the European versions, it's like, you know, who the fuck do you think you are, Gordon Ramsay? You know, that's the French guy. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and but you know, in the with the American version, it's like Gordon's at the top of his game, man. You know, he's the top. He's motivated me. I've opened up again. I've I've learned how to love what I'm doing with passion. We're gonna go kick some ass. And you know, and I'm like, and I sit there and I get goosebumps and I think that's it. That is the definition of the American spirit. And I think it was probably the same thing in 42, but you still see it in situations like that. Yeah, no, there's a, there, I, I, I watch both versions too, because we get BBC America on the dish network and, um, they show the British versions of, uh, the Gordon Ramsay show on there. Usually they show them in a bunch of them in a series. Like they'll do a weekend. It'll be right. like 10 in a row. Oh honey, so we're staying in, <laughs> put the kettle <laughs> on. <laughs> So, uh, well, you can record them, but anyway, the yeah. and you and the contrast between the American version and the European version or the British version is exactly what you say, which is the Americans tend to be more amenable to consultants, which yeah. is what he comes yeah. in yeah. as. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, he's and they, and they listen and they and they try to adapt and they once in a while they try they get into a little beef but a lot of that you wonder is sometimes it's semi artificial because I don't think it's the editing oh no it's totally the editing. yeah there's a lot of editing because yeah. it's like the reality TV where this you know it's a lot of it's faked yeah you, I mean like you just you take know, shots I mean, of, of people looking you know with uh, quizzative expressions or right and anger. I can see the director saying can you throw slow that down no no slow that down a little bit you know what let's add a boing sound effect here yeah. <laughs> So this is anyway. my this is my other favorite. That's what you do, you know, uh, when animal twists head looking in amazement at crazy humans. Add sound effect. So and but then when you go to the British ver- or the British version of the show and they, and he goes to France often and he goes all over the place. He was in Paris and you know some expat was there trying to open a place and they they're they they're more sensitive. They don't like being told what to do they don't they're not into consultants so much like americans we are you know kind of like a consultant culture and uh, they 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 reject the guy and they get into these huge arguments it's actually highly entertaining but 90 percent of the time it's you know it's just a bunch of a-holes yelling at each other uh yeah uh what's the difference between that and boxing or football or soccer you know? Well, there's none. No, but people always want to see that. Except, yeah, it's entertaining. By the way, not to be outdone, uh, John, by your song, I uh, did a little bit of research, and I think I came up with the 2008 version of that song. You want to hear it? Yeah, let's go. All right. Jugs and orbs and darts and gourds, Elmer fuds and bouncing Buddhas, sweater stretchers, lung protectors, Umbrellas, frost detectors, Scooby snacks and snake eyes dice, <laughs> jello molds and high beam lights. Every day I probably use 99 words for boobs. Thought you'd appreciate that one. Yeah, that's a, that is a good example of the difference between 1942 and today, where you have a kind of a juvenile attitude about everything. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't help myself. It's on the Podsafe Music Network. 99 words for boobs. It's just it's it's a beautiful thing, man. Come on. Yeah, no, I'm downloading it now. <laughs> no, don't do that. It'll ruin our Skype connection. Hey, dude, in the paper today. Um, Rumor and word is now out. I, I, I have a feeling it's a trial balloon because it was almost like orchestrated. 
I'm seeing it across everything. I'm going to tell you, uh, including my favorite newspaper, the Financial Times. Um, Looks like the EU is going to approve the Google DoubleClick merger. Oh, and why shouldn't they? Well, you're always saying that they're, you know, that Nelly Cruz is out to, uh, you know, out to stop all the big American co- companies. Yeah, no, I think, but I don't think that this is a, would be a good example because the, the, the it's not like there's a, it's going to create a monopoly or anything. I mean, double click's right. been around forever, and then right. it's just a service company. I don't well, see the, what the, the deal is. The th- well, no, the deal is first of all the advertising. Uh, agencies, the media buying agencies are flipping out over this because um, they're now figuring out, especially with this piece from uh, adding this, uh, strapping on double click, that Google is the buyer and the seller, that they can no longer, that uh, media agencies can no longer really influence price. So <clears throat> they're really freaking out over this. Um, the second thing is, of course, uh, privacy. I think that's what it was under scrutiny for most is now that you, if you combine uh, all the information Google has on you um, with DoubleClick's cookie information, I believe that's where people were worried that there were some privacy or potential for privacy issues. Yeah, I can see that. And and I bet well, you, you know, they, it's can, they can take them on a case by case basis after the fact. Mm. I don't think it's a big deal personally. Mm. Anyway, I'll tell you this: there's cool. something screwy going on with Google. The stock is way down. Yeah, was it now uh, at 400 from coming from it's 700? In the it's in the 400. Some people are predicting it going lower. Lower. I'm not seeing that when I look at the charts, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, anything can happen. Anything can happen. I, I've, I've, heard, I've heard 150. I seriously have heard 150. Oh, that's be a, that, that would be a disaster. Yes. But anyway, so but one of the things I've noticed is that my Google, I I test. AdSense, and by the way, when I was talking about uh, scheming AdSense last week, I didn't mean that. I meant scheming the the Google advertising on the search engine page. I don't know how to scheme AdSense. Anyway, the backpedal, um, backpedal, backpedal. The um, I noticed that my numbers on my blog, for example, are going way up. Okay, but the amount of money I'm getting from Google AdSense is going down. Down, sure, a lot. Yeah, yeah I had the same thing happen. It's ever since we started this show. <laughs> I'm telling well, maybe you. Maybe that could be it. But anyway, the, but the numbers are going down to the point where I have some other tests on that page, which, are, which have actually stabilized or have gone up a little bit, which indicates to me that it's not that people aren't dealing with advertising online. It's that they're not, that the Google stuff is becoming, especially AdSense, is becoming invisible. Yeah, I've always believed that um, the brain parses that out. You know, I I frame the information on the page. The inf- I'm used to that. You know, I'm used to that as uh, as an airman. I'm used to it as a disc jockey. I'm used to it doing this right now. I'm looking at a screen, and I know there's all kinds of stuff going on. I know, you know, I actually have two screens, one above another, but I'm focused on, you know, uh, in the aircraft we call it the T scan. You know, when you're flying instruments, it's like you're focusing on. These uh, eight instruments that are in a T formation on your uh, on your panel. So why wouldn't the brain do that on a web page? Well, it obviously is doing it, but I'm going to have to move the ad someplace else. The uh, <laughs> it's back into the T scan. <laughs> just move it around, which you're supposed to do anyway, because you know I think you're right. Because I was noticing it myself. I was on the web page the other day, and I was 
I, I went to something else and I decided to do, you know, the old test about what a great ad. I, you know, people say, wow, I saw this great ad. It was unbelievable. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And you who, ask, who well, was what was for? the ad for? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and they go, well, I don't uh, remember. I don't, I don't know. Uh, and I, I realized that I haven't been seeing what's on those, uh, those ads for, for a couple of months now. Yeah. I, I always look at the top of my weblog because I'm always interested and I saw it go from, uh, you know, cause I, I do tests too. Um, you know, there's a, <clears throat> there's a, uh, a retail, a big box retail outlet over here called Curry's. I'm sure you've heard of that. Oh yeah. And uh, so curry.com, you know, it's, uh, and, and lo and behold, <clears throat> there's probably 2,600 search hits, someone looking for curries, um, every single day. And so, you know, I start, you know, putting links in there to, you know, to, to stuff that, you know, like want to buy a TV set, <laughs> buy it from me. <laughs> uh, yeah and you know and no 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 can't have that right now um and essentially you know you see you do see stuff change over time um but you know that's really only because i'm that's a part of my daily scan that i'm really interested in seeing what words have appeared there but otherwise man i you know nothing and it didn't wasn't there a survey about banner ads? You know the punch the monkey stuff. It's essentially guys punching the monkey, isn't that? It turns out that that's what banner ad clickers are. Yeah, there's a there, there's some issues. I think that's one of them. I mean, the banner ad thing. You know, that's why uh, CNET CNET is the company responsible for inventing a lot of these these initiatives, including banner ads and that big square box that's now in the middle of everything. Uh. They did that, and the. Um, I don't think they're responsible for that. The most annoying ads, which is the thing that the flash ad that comes crawling across the screen. Yeah, I don't think that's flash. I think that's um, that's uh, Ajax stuff. I think could be whatever the case is. It's annoying. Yeah. And uh, there's <laughs> a uh, yeah. So these guys are desperate for coming up with something, but I think Google may have some issues here if I'm if these numbers are correct because. I have uh, a stat packages on the server. I have stat packages on the pages. So I know what my numbers are. And when I get numbers, uh, you know, or when I see Google uh, having, you know, consistently not showing. And one of the things they do is I, I like to, I don't know how they measure a lot of this stuff since I put my Google stuff right at the top. But sometimes they, they won't give you credit for a page view. And I'm thinking, here's what I'm thinking. Uh I've noticed that as my numbers increase, the Google numbers kind of stay the same or even go down a little bit to make the to make the click per page number look a little better because the total income from the Google AdSense is is actually retreating and to make themselves look at least look a little more effective, there's something screwy going on. And I don't think I'm the only one seeing this and I think it's being reflected in the in the stock going down the way it is i mean somebody must there's got to i mean there's something going on that's screwy well i think there's a couple things going on so first of all i believe you're right uh, on all counts um on the parsing of uh, of ads on a page i think people have gotten used to that uh i i agree with what you're saying about you know the the page counts um general fatigue uh as well you know you, you've got to take that in into account but you know these guys are I think they're really desperate at trying to figure a lot of this stuff out. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, I don't know if you've ever ventured into the hidden groups of uh, SEO, SEM. You know, there's there's all kinds of places where these real experts who are making millions of dollars 
um, you know, congeal and they all have, you know, names like uh, Dark Dragon and stuff like that. Moody actually does a lot of that stuff. You know, Moody from uh, from our office. Right. And, and, you know, it's there's a lot there's a lot going on that uh, that we're just not privy to a but that we're not even is not even on our radar. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think there is I think there is a scramble, a scramble to figure it out. And it has to do with page rank. It has to do with a, a multitude of, um, you know, of different factors and weights and balances that that really tweak their system. And, and by the way. Their systems in general have been a bit shaky the past few days. I've had Gmail problems. We've had Google group problems. We've had calendar problems, uh, Gmail reader problems, you know, files uploading and then disappearing. There's, there's definitely something going on. Well, it's not good, whatever it is. Uh, it's not productive for the consumer. And, of course, you know, one of your companies that you had a, a early investment in and made you a wealthy person has decided to change their entire model. We're talking about Ask.com. Yeah, not, Ask Jeeves is what I invested used in. used to be Ask Jeeves, which yeah. I always thought was a cute idea, except for the fact that it didn't work. But I like the name Ask Jeeves. It's kind of cute. But then they changed it well, you to know what, Ask. You know, um, what happened is uh, a guy who... Kind of like a friend, you know, he was a guy who almost became a client at Think New Ideas and then we kind of stayed in touch and he was out in LA and he called me one day and he said, dude, I'm looking for, you know, a little bit of cash, you know, it's going to be the last round, this is company, this search, and you know, there was no Google, uh, AltaVista, I think was the search engine at the time. Um, and uh, I said, look, I got $50,000, that's all I have, I really can't invest more than that. He says, no, no, man, it's perfect. And that was pre-IPO. Uh, and that had uh, for those the, for those who won't re- who don't remember or don't know they had a spectacular uh, initial public offering, and it was uh, based on nothing. I think at the end of the day, you know, it was based on a cute branded character, uh, interesting name, and uh, so now they're they're I you know I heard the uh, I heard was it on Cranky Geeks I think I saw you guys talking about how they've re- they're, how they're supposedly now focusing. We talked about Cranky. Yeah, you're focusing on uh, married women who have a household to run and need help in their life. Yeah, that's what it, that's what actually was the um, was what the Associated Press reported. It's interesting because I, I I hadn't looked at Ask in a long time, and so I you know I went around. To the first thing I entered was like cooking recipes. <laughs> And that's but yeah, that's funny because as soon as I read, that's the first thing I did too. As soon as they made this announcement, I went to it immediately to, to try it. And you know what? It's not bad. No, I was just about to say, isn't this exactly what Mahalo is supposed to be? I mean, it has references to other other chefs. You know, so actually, it was like you might want to look at Jamie Oliver or Nigella or you know, because they knew I was in the UK, so it's gonna be UK results. Um, it real nice, um, while you're typing stuff starts to pop up. I love that, you know, pre-search where it's already giving you ideas, uh, and, and the possibility to turn it off. I mean, yeah, it, it actually looked at, oh, hold on a second. Oh man. Are you there, John? Oh boy. Hold on a second. Let me see if I can fix this. If I can't do it in a couple seconds, then, uh. Oh, I'd have to reroute. Oops. Okay, folks, hold on. Let me get John back on the line. Okay, John, you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, I think uh, we might have had a... you start breaking up, you know, it's possible somebody else is using a machine at your place. You know what would be cool? No, 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 that's not it. Um, I saw the entire router go offline. Sometimes we get brownouts where I am. 
and ah. it's just enough to to mess with the router and all of a sudden everything went dead and uh, i apologize uh, it's not your fault uh, you should be apologizing for the british <laughs> utilities company screw those british utilities yeah anyway so uh, i don't know what mahalo was um well, was, I, I, yeah, I mean, it looked to me like someone had done some work. Someone, you know, someone obviously went in and figured out that with cooking recipes, you know, here's some chefs to look at. That doesn't seem like a real automatic thing to me. So there's clearly someone doing some manual work. And, you know, uh, that that was, I have to say, I, I actually sat there and said, hmm, I might use this a couple times, see if I like it. Yeah, I, w- I did some work on it, and I thought it was well. You know, it was it wasn't bad. I mean, I could. I mean, I've actually made this comment. I think in print somewhere, which is that would we? What would be different about the world? I always do this as an exercise, anyway. But what would be different about the world if Google didn't exist? And I don't think that much would change. No, nothing that would change anyone's life. I don't think so. Well, we'd have nothing to talk about. That would be a problem. <laughs> oh, man. You're breaking up a little. You still there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, see, I had another hiccup. You know what? I'm going to do something here. This is some, I noticed this the other day. Hold on. That, uh, and, it, and it could also be the provider. I really got to work on this shit. Uh, hold on. So if I... Uh, I basically just open a ping connection to somewhere out on the net. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, good. I basically, yeah, yeah, I can hear you. I basically open a ping connection to somewhere out on the net, and it just keeps the connection alive. I don't know what the hell is going on. Ah, mm. sorry. Interesting. Yeah. Well, anyway, so I like to do this exercise, which is to imagine what the world would be like with a company missing, uh, and I, I've concluded that Google is not the be all and end all i mean you if without google we'd still be able to get good search results here and there well of course we could i mean it's it's ridiculous to think that you couldn't uh no doubt about you know remember when when google came on the scene they came at the right time though john they had you know they had a really really fat you know the, the 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 big thing on the on the search results was how fast they got your results so it was all about yeah, the speed. Yeah, but it wasn't any faster than what Alta Vista was doing in its heyday. Ah, keep, no, 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 wait, hold on a second. I, I I beg to differ. Remember, these were the days of 56K modems, and when you had these huge pages, and you know, at the time I think it was frames, and it just took a, you took your computers longer to render, and with Google it was like one page, one search box. It was a revelation. I remember this very clearly. That but was the big I'm thing. I'm not convinced that, that, that Alta Vista, except for the fact that they were bought hold on john yeah i you know, know what they were doing with, with or what to do with digital they killed alta vista who killed a uh, digital killed alta vista no no uh compact did compact computer they didn't kill it they just let it languish and then google came along at about the same time and the next thing you know they were doing what alta vista was doing i don't think that the difference was that substantial well, it's certainly something that's reproducible. And by the way, it doesn't make any difference because that's not really the business. The business is AdSense. That's, they don't make money on their search business. It's on AdSense. And the search business no. is, yeah. of course, a great part of that, a not unimportant part. But just because you and I love going to, you know, use, using Google to search doesn't necessarily put money in Google's pocket. Right. So, you know, it's, it's really the, uh, the advertising business. And by the way, 
Not a lot of successful geeks in the advertising business. No. And there never will be. <laughs> you know, you got to have finesse, baby. You got to have flair. You know, you got to know how to talk. That's what gets you through in Madison Avenue. Generally. Yeah. So, uh, so, so I'm looking at this, uh, talking about Madison Avenue. These segues are fantastic. Are you going to talk about Mad um, Men now? No, I'm looking at Ad Week, mm-hmm. and there was a creative six trends you should know. And they came. There's this phrase that I did, was unfamiliar with. I had to look it up by going to my website. And there's I have an acronym finder on the homepage, thevort.org/home.htm. Um, and uh, you familiar with the ac- acronym Brick B R I C? Brick. Uh, yes, I am familiar with the acronym in several different contexts. One is a um, a uh, dimension of a, um, re, a wholesale package of marijuana. Okay, well, never mind. Uh, Two is uh, the constant. Let me get there. Two is when you have a mobile device or portable device that becomes complete, is rendered unusable, usually through hacking. Then you turn it into a brick. Let me B R I C. Now let me let me give it to you in context. The, the title, the subtitle of this paragraph is brick fashions. Brick the fashion fashions. world will be looking to the brick countries in 2008. The brick countries? <laughs> I.e. Uh, countries that have homes made of brick? No. Brazil, Russia, India, and China. Ah, yes. No, I have heard of this. this actually, I've read this in Financial Times. I, it's been a while, but yes, I have heard this. So it's one of the trends, they say. And I think this is largely due to the reason Brazil's in there. Brazil has a number of fashion, international fashion designers who are quite talented. But then they show this picture of some a top form or, to, or a top, a top like a top a woman would wear yeah. from uh, Shantanu and Nikhil showing this horrible. I mean, I don't want to say anything. You know, I, I love the Indians, but India fashion is not something I want to see much of. <laughs> to be honest about it, nor their movies, by the way, not to be. Oh, I love fashion. I love fashion shows. I I told you I went to the fashion show with my wife in Amsterdam on uh, Sunday. Ah, nice. I had my suit on. Who did you? Yeah, that that suit. Yeah. Who? who what was the designer you saw? Or was it just a bunch of them? No, no. It's just it's work? one designer, Paul Schulte, uh, and Patricia works with him every you know every season on the show, and you know what the model should look like, and of course I'm highly interested. Because uh, what I get to do is I get to hang around everywhere, and it's just naked models walking around. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah, but it, it, yeah, you know, no, it's, I, it's not like they're posing, but they're all really tall. And uh, and so I say, you know, excuse me, I just got to hug you for a second. I know you're feeling the same way because you know when tall people <laughs> hug each other, and I always get it. You know, I always get hugged. It's great. <laughs> but I really screwed. I really screwed up this time uh, because my favorite favorite model of all time. Uh, who always walks the Paul Schulte show. And, you know, because all the the mega superstars or big buyers or celebrities, and of course, we're none of the above, uh, they get they sit right in the middle of the front row at the, on the runway. And so we're actually in an even better spot that's like two spots to the right. That's where the models make their turn. So they make their turn right in front of us. And she always gives me, John, I'm not kidding. She gives me the most wicked look. I mean, just like, you know, it's like a fantasy. And, you know, it's a game because, you know, my wife and I laugh about it all the time. So let's see if she gives you the look. So anyway, she after the show, she's upstairs and she's uh, 
you know, she's de, uh, de, um, just taking everything off, essentially, you know, all of her model stuff. And I said, oh, you know, when's the divorce? Because uh, my dream has to finally come through. And she says, uh, March 13th, how did you know? <laughs> I'm like, oops. Oops. <laughs> oh, I felt so shitty. I felt horrible. Yeah, <laughs> so we took her out to yeah, dinner. Yeah, you feel worse when she starts calling. Oh, dude, uh, <laughs> not a problem. <laughs> I, I said it right. There. I said it's okay. My wife is okay with it. We can have an affair. It's not a problem. <laughs> Patricia's sitting right next to her. It was funny. Um, speaking of women, John, hold on a second. Hey guys, I wanted to let you know, first of all, that you do have uh, some skin-privileged women listening to you. Um, one in Ohio, even. Crazy. Um, couple things. Adam, if you can't get a tobacco company to sponsor you, you are not fucking trying. I mean, every time I hear your lighter click, I want to go dig through my coat pockets and see if I have any cigarettes from, like, five years ago. It's perfect. You don't have to change anything. You just keep doing what you're doing. They might make you want to mention some brand or something, but... I really think you could actually... All right, so we got wacky chicks listening to us. One. <laughs> From Ohio. <laughs> but but we did strike a chord with uh, making money on the show. I got a couple emails about that. Did you get any? Yeah. Yeah, I got a couple myself, but, you know, we'll see. What was the general consensus? What were people saying? Oh, they all, yeah, oh, there's tons of money to be made, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, yeah tons everyone's... of money. Where's the, where's yeah, the, where's the grant talker. specialist? I like the grant idea the best. I'm like, that's perfect. The grant idea is very cool. That would be, that would be outstanding to have a show sponsored by a grant and, and listener donations. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And we'd even, you know, we'd, we'd do it on at a regular, no, we wouldn't. <laughs> no, we wouldn't. No, you don't want to do it. I think it's fine. People would get the week is fun. Once a week is good. That's yeah. enough for people. No, they I was thinking we'd actually do day. it on the same day, is what I was going to say. But oh, well, thought, that's never going to happen. The, I thought the better of that. Oh, nah. Adam and um, John, this is uh, the No Agenda. Chris from Levittown here. I got a message for your haters, Adam. Listen up, folks. Food has to be put on the table, gas has to be put in the car, bills have to be paid, insurance has to be paid, mortgages have to be paid. Money makes the world go around. You don't exist without money. You're a rotting corpse on the ground. So I say, fuck anybody who gets mad at him making money from this. If he can make money by giving me content I want to listen to, fuck yeah. Go America. Go Adam Curry. I don't care. Do what you got to do. If they don't like it, screw them. The way I see it, if you're getting paid, you're going to keep doing this, and I'm going to keep having cool stuff to listen to. And I like the long format. Bye. There you Gee, go. Who is that? The stand-up comic Doug Stanhope? Who is that guy? <laughs> He's uh, Chris from Levittown. He, uh, he calls in a lot. So, hey, I, there's something I wanted to mention on the show uh, before we finish up here. That Because uh, we're getting feedback. We've got enough audience now that we, we're getting a we're collective actually getting unconscious. Yeah, yeah. You know, you always can tell when, you know, you have enough people out there. I mean, that's what I do. You know, I do, when I do the Twitch show, I'm always asking for clothes, for example. I seem to get a lot of uh, hoodies. And, and it shows, John. Clothes. It shows. When I see you around the office, those are clearly freebies. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what I want now. Somebody out there has got to have, and I think I'm going to just keep soliciting this till we get it. I heard, I got wind of this some time ago, and then I decided, and I kind of forgot about. It. I, I've been, t- I've been trying this this trick, but supposedly with Otis elevators, and I suppose Schindler elevators, and some of the other ones, there are there are codes on the on the elevator itself. In other words, amongst the push buttons, certain combinations of things will get you certain things that the, the dummy would <laughs> normally special know. Special features. About. <laughs> 
Well, I, for example, if you put, I'm told at least one of the things that if you push the closed door button and the floor you want to go on to on the, at the same time, it turns it into express mode. <laughs> so it skips all the other floors. Yeah, just zooms right up. Awesome. Oh, I'll bet you there's a ton of information about there about this out there. I bet you that they, whether that one's even right or not. I have been trying it. And I haven't found it not to take. But you know, I'm not in, using a lot of busy elevators. Yeah. But but I suspect that because of the nature of, especially the newer elevators that are, you know, computer, there, you know, there's a computer running them. They have to have a ton of secret codes that somebody out there, there's an elevator guy listening to this show yeah. that knows a few of these codes that would be happy, more than happy to tell us what they are. Yeah, and you can do it completely anonymously. Just look at the show notes. There's a phone number there. You just call it. We can't trace you. We can't. I mean, the government can, but we can't trace you or track you. And uh, just yeah. let us know. But I just think it'd be nice to know these codes. Because sometimes, you know, you're in a hurry. <laughs> when, when did you come up with this? You just woke up one morning and said, I wonder if no, I can No, no, I read the somewhere a number of months ago. I read someplace on some forum or some, you know, some uh, news group or somewhere that some guy had knew about these codes hmm. and then he talked about the, the the closed door floor button simultaneous push and as soon as he said it i said yeah there has to i mean obviously you if you're programming these elevators you're going to put a bunch of secret codes because when you're going to repair the things you yeah, need you to, it's like something. you know yeah. the phone companies yeah. have all kinds of weird numbers they can call yeah yeah and yeah. they you know the there's like one number you can dial it, and it tells you the phone you're call- what the number of the phone is that you're calling from. Well, that's the whole, uh, you know, um, the whole uh, unlocking thing is also based on codes that you input. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Hey, isn't that the Apple thing this morning? That iPhone something or other where they're going to announce something about something? Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah. Who cares? Uh, they get you know Apple gets too much publicity as it is. Yeah, it's true, but I uh, sometimes they do those live on video, and I enjoy watching that. I love watching Steve Jobs present. It's beautiful. He's a master. It's fucking A, he's a master. It's just beautiful. Really, really yeah, Especially nice. when you compare him to the other schlubs in the industry. It's kind of <laughs> pathetic. <laughs> Who's going to do the big uh, announcements uh, uh, when Yahoo eventually gets sold or bought? You know, Steve Ballmer's going to do it? If well, Microsoft you know, were to buy? The, the, the money is now heading toward, in fact, I'm writing about this for MarketWatch. Ah, I was waiting though, for that, yes. There's your plug. I, was, I think I'm going to discuss the possibility that AOL and Yahoo get together. I, I don't see why this wasn't something people looked at much earlier. I think, I think well, it's a perfect Well, a friend of mine, uh, Andrew Horowitz, who does the Disciplined Investor, mm-hmm. he had a month ago told me that he was suspicious, and he posted a, um, a video which I have on my blog, by the way, uh, Dvork.org slash blog. Uh, he, he posted a video that shows if you overlay the homepage of AOL and Yahoo, it's like the same exact page. <laughs> I hope it happens. That would be beautiful. That really would. We can it would do be business with those guys. Oh, we can do business with those guys. I know we yeah. can because they don't, you know, they, they both have a little bit of a clue about something, but not really the whole picture. And I think AOL, uh, personally, I think AOL is really in a lot of trouble. I don't, I don't follow it. I have no idea what, you know, what reports there are. Um, but it just does, it just feels like it's a, like it's one big script running, you know, there's not, there's no, nothing behind it. There's, there is anyone home basically. Yeah. You know, ever since Steve Case, even though people didn't like the guy, uh, left. Uh, yeah, he was an entertainment really guy. A- he, he understood it. 
Well, he also had a sense of of it. I mean, he's the you know he did have the vision. I mean, he was the captain of the ship. He's the one who saw. You know, there's sometimes you you need somebody running things that can say, no, no, that's a bad idea, and here's the reasons why. Yeah. Uh, even though this idea without the guy would go ahead. If you wasn't know what I mean. wasn't Steve Case in Flock of Seagulls? God, Ser- I hope not. Seriously, I, I think no, someone I don't told. Think so. Yeah, I think. Some for some reason I think that he was in Flock of Seagulls. Case was a wonk. I don't think he's ever been a kind of a musician. <sighs> I mean, pr- prove me wrong. No, I mean, I'm afraid to open my browser now because I don't want to lose the connection. Well, now, we'll but. do it for next week. We'll figure it out. But <laughs> whatever the case is, he's not there now, and it's a, and the place does look like a rudderless ship. Yeah, and, and people are forgetting about. It. People used to talk about AOL, AOL all the time. And then, you know, yeah. I, Everyone had an AOL.com email address, and yeah. now they don't. And, you know, it's just a really sad. I still have my Yahoo, though. Do you still have your Yahoo address? Yeah, I have a Yahoo address. I have a, uh, I have a, the Google address. I got one of the early ones, so I got my name. Yeah. And, you know, the right where it should be. Yeah. And, yeah. um, well, did you have to buy I it got, from someone, or did you have to wait for it no, to be No, no, I got it. I, was, I got in really early, and so I got Dvorak. Ah, okay. Um, cool. So, um, I don't use it. I, I that's I only use Google as a complete backup because I have you know I run it through my own server. Yeah. And um, why do you do that? Is, does it is it just because you started out that way? You never wanted to change it, or the, or you find it's better for you, or what? To have Dvorak dot org? No, just to have your own. No, 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 no. Uh, you actually have. You don't use well, no, I, Gmail I actually, or and any No, it's other. hosted over by Mark Perkel over at C-Time, yeah. uh, Computer Time. You know, he's the one who does it. I, I've always had my so – I've got a domain early, Dvorak.org, and I also have Dvorak.com that I don't actually use much. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, I, I initially got hooked up with a guy in New Jersey who, you know, who I thought was just a great guy. And he, had, he was running a server. This was back in the early 90s. And he mm-hmm. says, well, let me just host it and you can do your email through me. And then I, and it's just kind of bounced around from friend to friend. <laughs> and went to another guy in Chicago who was doing it for a while. And then he got right. burdened, you know, because it gets rough unless you're doing it professionally. And I was going to, you know, move, so then I moved it. Mark has this, the email system, you know, where I get no spam. Yeah. And so you know, he said, you got to run it through my system because you get no spam. So I <laughs> gave it to him. So I gave it to him, and he's been running it ever since. And it's like you know, uh, quid pro quo. I give him his 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 publicity, and he yeah. gives me the uh, he gives me the server space. And you know, and I suspect it'll go someplace else someday. Yeah. Although Mark seems to be in the business for a while. Yeah. Uh, but so I, yeah, it's been the tradition of me to keep my own stuff in my own server. So I can. Oops, did I lose you, John? Ah. Uh. FTOS on and off. I can do it. Oh, just give it a second to catch up, John. Oh, boy. Yes, it is. I would. <laughs> we really shouldn't do this show uh, unless it's on a weekend. Well, anyway, let me just finish this thought and then we can finish. Okay. Which is that I'm worried sick that at some point they either, they just pull the plug on you. You mean the email provider? Yeah, they just pull the plug on you. Hey, well, you, we decided you, you know you you're a spammer. Or they've come up with something they don't want you anymore. Yeah, and then they all your mail's lost, and you can't you, the email people send to it just goes into a black hole. I just don't like it. I don't trust these guys. Right. Well, you know, you can always um, in your uh, MX record, you can always set up a secondary, which could be your. I got no spam guy. But regardless, doesn't matter. I was just always interested because I know that you have it with some guy who gives you no spam. And uh, send me his email address. I get spam. 
Mark, M-A-R-C at Perkel, P-E-R-K-E-L dot com. Okay. Got it. Well, um, you're going up to uh, Washington for the weekend, John? Yeah, I got to check in on the deli. <laughs> see if we're making money. See if we still got some meat in the freezer. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, I, I, although I enjoy talking to you, I don't like doing the show uh, during a week when the bandwidth is all crappy. It, it's distracting and shit. Yeah, we'll we'll try to avoid it. Yeah, so, you know, just tell Mimi. Sorry, I, honey, I can't come up this weekend. I got to do the show. Well, next week for sure, we'll do it on Saturday morning or Friday, whenever. Okay. Actually, we've been doing it on Friday a lot. Saturday is when we don't when we have the best bandwidth, or yeah. Sunday. Yeah, and the weekend is always. And you know, maybe some f- punk neighborhood kid came home and turned on his BitTorrent. You don't know what's going on. Could be anything. Right. All right. See what I did? I remember the music this time. John. Yeah, I hear it. <laughs> Acknowledge. <laughs> oh crap! All right, this has been. Uh, no agenda we'll come back at you another time sometime near the end of next week from the United Kingdom I'm Adam Curry and from sunny Northern California I'm John C. Dvorak and we'll talk to you again next week on No Agenda No Agenda